Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. I'm Cameron Tumsby. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Jesse Quinn. And we have a lot to discuss. Uh, the Jalen Brown stuff looms large in our minds, perhaps. But first, we want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, who sit atop the East. And to do exactly that, we're going to welcome in Dalton Sell of Behind the Buck Pass. Dalton, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me. How are you guys? We're good. There's a lot going on in Boston media right now. Uh, Unexpected excitement, yes. <laughs> yeah. Loads of fun. Um, except for the the WEEI stuff. That's just not fun. That's whack. That's very whack. Uh, Crazy so- that Jalen Brown might be upset about the state of Boston media. Go figure. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm biting my tongue. I hope I don't start bleeding. Let's okay, not be Dalton. walking stereotypes, shall we? Anyway, <laughs> Dalton, uh, you're here uh, to talk to us about the Bucks because a few weeks ago, I guess at this point, the Bucks overtook the Celtics for the number one seed in the East, and it doesn't look like they're looking back. So we're going to talk about those two teams. We'll probably talk about the Sixers a little bit, and we'll preview the Eastern Conference playoffs. But Dalton, first, as an ambassador from the city of Milwaukee, and the state of Wisconsin. What on earth is going on with Aaron Rodgers? I got to tell you, I I know just about as much as the next guy. It's it's been a crazy crazy offseason. It's kind of been like this for a few years now, but more so than ever it kind of felt like he was going to move on just cuz it felt like the Packers were finally on the same page, you know, with trying to get Jordan Love in there. I've been on that for a while. I think he's got some potential and I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I think it's <laughs> time for a fresh start. So, but yeah, that's, it's, it's a crazy situation and I don't know if it's going to get resolved anytime soon. Nope. Uh, that's why I asked. All right. So back to basketball, the bucks are at the time of this recording, two and a half games up on the Celtics and the Sixers are three games back. So it's crowded and importantly, Boston will play the bucks in Milwaukee next Thursday. And then uh, for the Celtics fans, they'll play the Sixers in Philly on Tuesday, April 4th. So there's a, enough basketball nef- left and enough head-dead matchups left that this could all change. But first, Dalton, um, tell us about what's going on with the Bucks since, I don't know, January 1st. Yeah, it's been kind of a kind of a weird season. You know, they started off kind of, started off red hot. They were 9-0, and went through some rough patches, guys in and out of the lineup, no Middleton for 40-plus games this season, had to reintegrate or just integrating total Joe Ingles into the lineup. And he's kind of, he's been a huge piece for them. He had a really bad month of February, but he's really taken off this month. He's been, he's been incredible this month and Chris Middleton's been heating up. So post January 1st, those are kind of the two big changes. I'd say Jay Crowder has been good since he came aboard, but he's out of the lineup now due to calf soreness, but yeah, just really getting getting guys healthy is really the big change, I guess, because that first part of the season, there were so many questions with Middleton. He he missed a lot of time, came back, and then went out again. Ingles didn't play until late December, I think. So that was kind of the story of the first part of the season. But now that we're in the second part, it's getting those guys back up to speed and keeping them there because that's – at the end of the day, health is the biggest thing. You know, I – I don't know if it'll come up at some point, but last year's playoff series between us, there was there were some health issues. So this year, the big focus has been on health, keeping guys healthy. And yeah, that's the most important thing right now is for the most part, the Bucks are healthy, I'd say. I guess let me uh, jump right into that. What's the latest on Middleton? Uh, no lingering effects or is he still ramping back? It seems like he's good to go. He's been playing, you know, great lately with the, uh, the knee issues and then he had the wrist issue to start the year. I think he's been, I think he's been cleared to go. You know, they took the minutes restriction off him a while ago, Budenholzer said. So I think he's good. I think he's ready to go. You know, I know they have a few back-to-backs down the stretch, two or three. I think they have, I think they might have three. That'll kind of be the true test. How many of those does he play? And he might play in all of them because that race for the one seed right now is hot, you know, it's tight. So I think the Bucks are all hands on deck trying to get that. Just another quick one on Middleton. Um, one of the things that I've kind of heard in NBA Twitter's land is that Middleton has largely gotten back to being an effective player on offense. Defensively, though, that's maybe a, a, he, a still kind of a work in progress. Could you give us a sense of how Chris is looking on the defensive end of things? 
Yeah. So like you said on offense, he does, he does look like he's getting up to form on offense. There were some times where he looks slow, not a lot of, not a lot of jump in his jumper, you know, but he has been kind of building up that form defensively. He's never been like a, like a Drew or a Giannis, obviously he's never been an outstanding defender. He's not going to get that all defensive nod, but this season there have been some rough patches, you know, where he hasn't really looked capable I'd say on that end most of it was kind of earlier in the season when he was still trying to get his legs back but even in recent weeks you know you'll see games you'll be like man that was a that was a bad defensive possession by Chris and I don't know if it's because he's still looking for his legs or if he is you know just not at that level anymore I really don't know but I've seen him you know turn it on at times like if the Bucks need some crucial stops I've seen him be able to turn it on so I really don't know. I don't, I certainly don't think he's washed on the defensive end. Like I see some people say all the time. I don't think that's the case. I think just sometimes there'll be a lapse here and a lapse there, but at the same time, he can turn it on at certain points. And um, what's the latest with Bobby Portis? Yeah, he had a great game last night. He had a double double. I couldn't tell you his exact totals, but he's been solid. He's been a huge piece for the Bucks post January 1st mostly for the whole year because he's I think he's got the most double doubles off the bench by far so yeah he's been he's been huge lately in March I think he's above 40 percent from three that was kind of his big thing all year was he's had such a drop in three-point percentage compared to the past two years but as of late it's really starting to pick up so he's been huge he's been crazy with those double doubles this year Brooke Lopez has been mostly healthy this year um how has he been playing I mean he seems like he's in the defensive player of the year uh, conversation. I mean, is there any concern that he is playing a lot of minutes considering his age? It's really crazy this season compared to last season because he missed a ton of last season due to the back surgery. But I think he's only missed two games this season and he's having his best season since like he was in Brooklyn. He's shooting the ball like crazy, a 37, 37 point something percent. It's a career high and his defense is just incredible. He's He's I'm a little biased, you can say, but he's the defensive player of the year, in my opinion. It's just crazy. And it is so weird because in the offseason, after the Boston loss, people were, you know, oh, we got to trade Brooke. We got to we got to move on and stuff. And he's come out this year and has just been incredible on both ends of the floor. That's really the big thing is not only does he block shots like crazy, but he's shooting the ball like extremely well. And he's averaging north of 20 points per game this month. I think he's. Milwaukee's second leading score behind Giannis for the month. So he's been incredible at he's 30. I don't know his exact age. He might be 34, I think, 34 or 35. Somewhere you know, in so. the neighborhood. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, this isn't a... normally you do not want to put that many minutes on a big man who recently had back surgery, but he seems like he's he's been playing very well this season. Yeah, he's he's in the lineup for most of their games. I think only Javon Carter, I think Javon Carter has missed one game or zero games i'm not too sure but yeah brooks right up there with the most games played on anybody on the team so i guess while we're just piecewise cutting through the roster um let's keep it moving um and honestly we could talk about this one for a while so true holiday for my money well i'm curious where you have him basically i was gonna say i think he's all nba first team for the guards um i think true holiday has just been special i don't think that that's how media works i don't think that that's how you know, the voting will play out. But if I had my perfect bracket, I think I would have him there. Um, where do you have him? Huh? Third team. No, first. Uh, just the defense is unbelievable. I know that that's not, I know that's not how these awards work, but if I was picking guards, he would be if one of my two If defense was guard. counted, yes. I think he would be in that, that, that stratosphere. Agreed. But so when, didn't. when I'm commissioner and everyone has to think about defense before they put in their ballots, Dalton, I've got Drew on my first team uh in the real world or when you become commissioner where do you have drew holiday if at all on a uh all nba team and that matters deeply for celtics fans because of jalen brown which we'll talk about later yeah i wouldn't if i did it today i didn't make a whole list or anything like that but he's definitely on yeah he's definitely on one of them for me i don't know if it's i assume it would be it would probably be second or third team i'm leaning more towards third team just because just like you guys were talking about, I feel like he gets underrated a bit because of his, his, nobody talks about his defense Mm -hmm. when they talk about other guards, you know, like when Drew is an all-star, you know, everybody was like, Oh, he's an all-star. He's only averaging like 
18 points a game. Why is this guy an all-star? Nobody talked about like, this is, this might be the best defender in the NBA. You know, people don't seem to talk about that. And it's why I think Drew is, he's been like the most underrated player in the NBA for years, even Mm -hmm. doing what he did in the finals, you know, that the play that's now iconic with the, um, it sounds like you're about, it sounds like you're talking about the guy who that play you're talking about was on. (laughs) Marcus Smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that one too. That is certainly another one. I was I was referring to the the finals play, but yes, that one too. He just he's so he's such a clutch defensive player is kind of the big thing. Not only is he guarding the opposing team's best player a lot of the time, but he can make those clutch plays. And when the Bucks need to stop, you know, it seems like Drew is typically guarding the guy they need to stop. You know, so I think he's he's totally underrated. If he made an All NBA team this year, which I think I think he will, whether it's first, second, or third, it would just be, it would be great. You know, it would be a great acknowledgement of what he's been able to do because he's been, this is his best season as a buck. You know, I think he's putting up new highs and points assists and he made the all-star team for the first time, obviously. So yeah, he's been incredible. And I, I think he deserves to make one of the teams call me biased, but I think he'll be on one of them. So I sprung that question on you and I'm going to spring a few more because you made me think about a few things first. The play in question, you're talking about the alley-oop in the finals to, to Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, okay. Speaking of underrated, maybe one of the most insane clutch plays of all time. If I have to see Kyrie Irving hit that three over the Warriors one more time, I'm going barf. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Players make threes all the time. Players do not make half-court alley-oops with time expiring when everyone wants to foul like that. That was, pardon my French, a ballsy play. And I don't know why it's not on every NBA package promoting the product because it was so good. Second point, um, that finals, supremely underrated, so good. Uh, I just want to tip my cap to that performance. I feel like it was COVID, it was wacky, uh, and we just like we weren't paying attention to sports in the same way, um, which leads me to my third point, which is a question which doesn't have an answer. I believe the conspiracy that Giannis had COVID during those finals and the Bucks swept it under the rug. What do you think about that? I've heard that. I I don't really know if I believe it. I I remember reading about it because Giannis's brother missed game six with, mm-hmm. it was an illness. I, I don't know if it was COVID directly. I don't know if that ever came out. I'm sure if I Googled it, it would say. COVID but, adjacent. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember that was going on. There were some theories about Giannis being sick and all that. And while it's pro- it probably wouldn't have been good to hide that just because every you know it was certainly more heightened at the time it wouldn't have been good to heighten that I feel like that might add to the the lore of that finals I guess you know like wouldn't that add another layer to it like it wouldn't be good it would not be a good look that that happened but you know he's already playing on like one leg because his leg is busted and if he's sick on top of that like that's just that'd be insane Any but game no you can't talk about yeah yep. yeah the, yeah the third I, I don't have game. any I don't have any insider info on that. I do not know if he was sick or not. So I I don't know. It's it's just a conspiracy at this point. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge NBA conspiracy believer, but that one uh there are a lot of whispers around that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm um, speaking of Giannis and a little closer to home. He's probably on the outside looking in on the MVP conversation. Uh but there's still, I don't know, 10 games left. Where are you at with MVPs uh, across the board and Giannis's candidacy? I think he's got a good chance still, you know, 10 games. That's still quite a lot of games to to go. And it feels like the media really turns things on late in the year. Like Jokic was leading all year long until the Nuggets lost like four I in a row. I challenged that assertion the first six weeks or so. Jason Tatum was. Yeah, we had we had our moment. Of okay, 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 okay. For for the majority of the season, I'll say I remember yeah. Tatum was Tatum was in in that race. So so Jokic was leading it for most of the way, I'd say, and then he loses four games and it changes. You know what if what if the Sixers lose four games down the stretch? I feel like Giannis's case is a bit underrated, just because last year a big reason that Jokic got the award was because Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray missed a ton of time. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton has missed like forty one games this year, and the Bucks have the best record in the NBA. Now you can say the Bucks have a better team than the Nuggets. I I get that Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis and all these guys, but they have the best record in the NBA with their three-time All-Star second fiddle missing most of the season. I I, I people don't talk about that really, you know, when they talk about Giannis's 
case that are just like, yeah, you know, he's good. He's averaging so-and-so. The Bucks are – their record's good. No talk about Middleton, really, from at least what I see. Maybe you guys see different things, but people rarely bring that up, and I, I don't really know why. You know, I feel like that should kind of be talked about more. For whatever it's worth, folks, Giannis is currently third in FanDuel's MVP rankings – uh, behind Jokic, the leader in FanDuel MVP rankings, is currently Joel Embiid at minus 150. Do with that what you will. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that also has something to do with Sixers fans and try to milk them. Um, I don't know. I don't. I will talk about FanDuel in a few moments when we talk about how humbled we are to have them as a presenting sponsor, but I don't know that I think the line means that they're the favorite with this much time left. Um but uh, let's go around the horn, I guess, and, and make a prediction apropos of uh, those lines. Dalton, if you had to guess today, who ends up being the MVP? Again, you can call me biased, but I think Giannis is going to, you know, come down from the top rope over these final 10 games because I don't think the Bucks are going to do too much resting down the stretch here. You know, in past years when the Bucks didn't care about the one seed, they rested a lot of guys down the stretch. They would have these games, I don't know what you'd call them, where their top, like, eight guys wouldn't play. You, they would roll out a lineup of Giannis's brother, their two-way players, stuff like that. I don't think they're going to do that this year. I think it's full steam ahead, try and get that one seat. So if they lock up the best record in the NBA and Giannis maybe goes on this crazy stretch, and I'd like to say Embiid, Embiid they said, had calf tightness last night, so he only played the first half of that game. I don't know if that's serious or not, but if he, you know, they lessen his minutes or he misses time because of that, I think it's certainly – It'll impact it, but it seems like Embiid's the favorite right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis swooped in at the last minute. Dr. Quinn? So I think that's actually possible if the Sixers stumble, and they've been pushing really hard, as hard as, well, the top three teams have all been pushing, really. Uh, and, you know, the Celtics stumbled kind of late, which has not done any favors to what's, whatever was left of, of Tatum's candidacy. Um, I was pretty much in Team Jokic for quite some time, but like watching Embiid, and it's really been Embiid more so than his teammates, uh, push the Sixers uh, past the Celtics momentarily in the standings uh, and then just barely behind them at present. It's been very impressive to watch. So for now, he's got a slight edge for me over Jokic. I think the uh, past slights kind of helps his candidacy out just a little bit as well. Uh, but I could see it going to any of the three of them, to be completely honest, depending on how they all finish the season. And I, I think it largely will come down to the end of the season. But as of now, it feels like the... So MVP is a narrative-based award, fundamentally. At the end of the day, like more often than not, and this has been true largely for the past couple of years, you're going to have three candidates or so that are all pretty much on equal footing in terms of a stats overall contribution to team uh, and like winning record. Like for the past three years or so, it seems like there have been, and maybe longer, there's been a legit case for at least three people in the NBA, basically any given year. And it really does come down to narrative and preference. At the end of the day, it does seem like the narrative is coalescing a little bit around it's time for Joel Embiid, given the amount of stuff that he's been doing to carry this Sixers team, given the fact that he is playing his best season from a statistical standpoint. And if you kind of read the media tea leaves a little bit, particularly, I've noticed that there's been a big groundswell of other players commenting on Embiid and his place in the MVP race. I saw Zach Levine said something. I saw Mike Conley said something. You're starting to see a lot of stories come out of like quotes from NBA players talking about how Embiid deserves to win the award. I would bet that he's going to be the guy holding it by the end of the year, but there's still time. Yeah, I suspect Alex, you're right about that. I mean, my vote is Drew Holiday, apparently. Um, I just, yeah, I think there's voter fatigue for Giannis and for uh, Jokic. And I think that Embiid has always been right in the mix. And so if he gets one now, it's like that era where Jokic, Giannis and Embiid were just vying for MVPs for a few years. I think that'll make people sleep well at night. Because Alex, you're right. You could really hand it to any of these guys and and make a strong case. Um, 
I'm going to pause the action and talk about uh, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, FanDuel. Massachusetts, listen up. The wait is finally over, and America's number one sports book is now live in Massachusetts. And new customers in Mass can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. Dr. Quinn, it looks like UConn uh, has a chance to go the distance. How are you feeling as a UConn fan, uh, men's well, and women's? So for women's, I think they actually usually, this feels so weird to say that I think the men's team has a better chance to win the title than the women's, yeah. which is, it's a historical anomaly. I mean, the only time it's ever happened anything close to this, they both won the title. Uh, that's only happened ever, I think, to two other teams in the history of the NCAA. But this season, I think the men have a better chance. I think they have a better path to to the title uh, title championship game. And then the women, um, I just don't think anyone's beating South Carolina. They just look too damn good. I mean, they look like UConn used to look. Like UConn has looked much better than the team that they started out the season looking like. But if I was going to put money down on one of the two teams to win the national championship, it would be the men this year. God, it feels weird saying that. Well, what a fun line. I don't know that FanDuel is serving that up, but which is more likely the men's or the women's team. Yeah. Hey, FanDuel, if you're listening, we've got an idea for you. Anyways, uh, Celtics Lab listeners, now there's an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't make, don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make every moment more on America's number one sports book. You must be 21 or older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Dalton, we would like to talk to you about the postseason. Um, what we've done is we've written down all the rounds that there are in the postseason, all four of them. And we want to know as a Bucks fan or someone who understands the Bucks, what would be the best matchup for that team and the worst matchup for that team reasonably slotted so the first round it's got to be like the heat or the hawks it can't be like the 86 bulls i mean the 86 celtics that's not an option um and, yes and Alex. just real quick cam i was also thinking that with this sprinkle we could split up each round uh for the celtics opponents as well to balance this out as this is the celtics lab podcast i was thinking something along the lines of maybe one of us takes what round one, one of us takes round two, one of us takes round three, and then we all make a finals pick. I'll volunteer for round one for the Celtics. Sounds good. I'll take round two. Uh, okay, I guess I have round three then. Um, wow. <laughs> um, Dalton. <laughs> um, 30 seconds or less, who is the best uh, matchup for the Bucks that they might see in the first round? Um, I have to, I'm trying to think of the standings right now. So in that play in tournament right now, it's Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and I think Chicago is the 10th team right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you so, want the Pacers, we'll give you the Pacers. If you will. Oh, I'd probably take the Pacers in then just because they have. Really? They're pretty the, good, man. They did beat us the other night without Halliburton, but I feel like, oh, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'd play anybody. That's kind of my big thing. I learned after, Love after it. the Bucks beat the Heat. After the Bucks beat the Heat in 2020 or 2021, I'll play anybody. You know, I don't care. I don't care who it is. Send anybody out there. The Pacers just have a lack of experience. I think that's kind of a big thing once you get to the playoffs, whereas all those other teams came to the playoffs, but I'd play any of them. It's if we got to play the Bulls again, that's fine. Just who's ever on the schedule, I'm good with it. So I take it you don't have a nightmare scenario for round one? You're just sleeping Not through the for- night? Not for round one, you know, unless Boston went on some crazy losing streak and ended up in and in the play in tournament. I'm not even but... sure that's possible for them. <laughs> they lost every game they might be able to. And if it, I think it's still mathematically possible, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that, I think the the Nick well, the Knicks actually very reasonably could fall out. The Cavs, it would be really hard. So the Knicks are eleven back, then the Nets thirteen, then the Heat thirteen, and then the Hawks sixteen and a half. So yeah, the Knicks, Nets, or Heat could all end up as the seven seed and thus playing in the play-in tournament. Um, as such, Dr. Quinn, who is your dream opponent for the Boston Celtics and also your nightmare opponent? Oh, I thought I was just doing nightmare opponent. So the nightmare opponent would be the Miami Heat. If you mm-hmm. fall to the three seed, that's a very, very distinct possibility. And that to me is just like, let's just do last year's uh, playoffs in a different order, which is not yeah. what I want to see happen. Um 
Probably, I think the Cavs maybe would be the optimal. And that might sound crazy to some people, but um... wait, 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 wait. First of all, there's no way that they see them in the first round. Yeah, that's sure. not gonna happen. Yeah, there's the Cavs would have to drop like six straight games. Oh, I'm thinking that they were still in the five spot. Yeah, no, they're You're in right. the four spot. I but think also, but, but while we're yeah. while we're on it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Gaffs are really good. Yeah, but I don't believe that they have the experience to play a half-court game. Uh, they're not very good at it. Their defense is garbage. I don't think that they're going to be able to hold up against the Celtics or really any team with playoff experience in the postseason. There's an obvious answer here. So I'm going to step in and say what the Celtics um, dream scenario should be for round one. And it is the hapless Atlanta Hawks. Um, yep. The Celtics absolutely own the Hawks this year. It's an absolutely awful matchup for them on so many levels. Uh, if you see the Celtics playing the Hawks in round one, Trey Young is going to be getting victimized over and over and over again in pick and roll. They are the clear dream team that you want to play in round one i am like dalton i am pretty confident that the celtics will be getting out of round one no matter who they play but if there's one choice opponent i'm looking at oh give me that hawks team all day yeah it would seem to me that last year the celtics faced the unhappiest team in the league in the first round of the playoffs and if they played the hawks they would once again play the unhappiest team in the league because uh the raptors might be right there with them but the stink in Atlanta seems pretty serious. Dalton, I'm going to ask you about the second round. Um, and again, we, we're not using the bracket. The seeding can change enough. You can just pick a team that is like reasonable. So probably the Sixers and the Celtics are off the table. Although, I don't know, if the Celtics play the Cavs in the first round. Anything is possible. But Dalton, second round-ish, what would be your ideal and scariest opponent if you were the Bucks? Again, kind of the kind of the same thing where I'll play anybody, but if I had to pick one, I mean, well, I'll go for the nightmare thing. The nightmare thing for me would be falling to two or three and then having to play one of Boston or Philly in that second round. Just because I feel like not that I'm not that I'd be like scared going in, I wouldn't be trembling. It's just that like you're in a position right now where you don't have to do that. You yeah. know, you can I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. You can get to the conference finals without having to play both of them. You can just play one of them. And that, I feel like that's something the Bucks tried to avoid last year. You know, there was a little race, you know, always oh, Milwaukee or Boston going to play Brooklyn round one because Brooklyn was this supposed sleeping giant, you know, heading into the playoffs. Of course, that didn't didn't turn out that way. But yeah, I wouldn't want to play one of those in round two just because that would mean that we dropped a lot of regular season games. And obviously if you can get to the conference finals without having to play one of those teams and just face one of them in those conference finals, that's the preferred pathway. So one of those would be my nightmare scenario. I put that in quotes because I, I wouldn't be scared, I guess. And for the easiest thing, again, I'll, I'll play anybody, you know, I do, I do respect the teams in the playoffs. You know, there's nobody I'm looking at and saying, wow, you know, that team's bad because I've seen, I've seen lower seeds beat the bucks in the playoffs. You know, they lost to the Raptors in 2019 lost to the heat who were a five seed in 2020. Boston was a higher seed last year. So yeah, there is no dream scenario for me. Really just who's ever there, you know, congrats on making it. Let's, let's go for it. Oh, Chesty. I love it. All right. Um, I'm going to once again, pause the action and talk about the other presenting sponsor we have for this podcast, better help. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you with a licensed therapist, and it's convenient, it's flexible, and you can suit it to your schedule. It's not just for therapy. I said last week I've been watching The Sopranos, and I was kind of wowed at how problematic their portrayal of therapy is, because it's just not, that's not what therapy looks like. That's not what it's supposed to be for, um, and that's not how it benefits like you. Freudian on the, on the Sopranos. Yeah, uh, my experience with therapy had was not like that. It, uh, it was a much more comfortable experience. Um, and now you can experience it online if that is your cup of tea. Um, Dr. Quinn, I know that you uh, you had some thoughts about this, this being an exciting new sponsor for us. Yeah, um, there is this misconception about therapy that you were hinting at with the Sopranos thing that it's like this like 
you have to just like rend your soul to this complete stranger. And it's really not like that. It's um, at the pace that you are comfortable and you don't have to stick with uh, the same therapist if you don't feel comfortable with that person. And frankly speaking, in my own experience, I've never used better health personally. Um, I was just talking about it with a friend who uh, swears by it actually, but me personally, um, I've I've been to therapy before and I was lucky enough to be matched up with a person who I did like. I imagine that if you didn't feel comfortable with a person and you were doing like like face-to-face -face traditional style, that it would be a huge pain in the butt that luckily I didn't have to deal with. But yeah. apart from that, uh, personally, uh, I think that the ability to be able to change therapists very easily with this, this uh, service stands out to me as something that's really interesting. And the idea that you're able to really talk about not just like the worst things that ever happened to you, but just like, you know, people who annoy you at work and how to get on with them, um, how to really. You can talk about the good things in your life too. I mean, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't have to be like all like negative stuff. So like, if you have the idea that therapy is only for people who are like broken uh, or have like serious, serious problems, which the therapy has helped like me some of the hardest stuff in my life. Um, it can be a really beneficial thing. So, I mean, I would recommend looking into a service like this personally. Sure. And to the point of, you know, being able to switch practitioners, um, you fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch for no additional charge. Um, they connect you with a licensed therapist wherever you are. So you can take on that journey of self-discovery wherever you're at. You can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash seltlab today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash seltlab. Dalton, on to the third round we go. Well, hold um, on. Um, Alex did not get a chance oh, to Alex. talk about the Celtics dream and nightmare scenario. So give bring me just it, one second. Um, so I'm thinking about the Celtics and kind of where they're at in the standings and where they're likely going to finish. It seems to me that there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be either the one or the two seed. So I'm going to say that the Celtics are in all likelihood not going to be playing the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round. Thus, I am ruling them out as a nightmare scenario opponent. For my nightmare scenario, um, the thing I keep coming back to in looking at the playoffs is that this Knicks team has played the Celtics super well all year. And um, I... I, I think that the Celtics could win that series, but I certainly don't want to experience a seven-game series with the Knicks, which I think is what would happen there. From a matchup perspective, Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson have provided real problems for this front court. Jalen Brunson is a difficult cover for anybody, let alone for the Celtics' backcourt. Um, and they've done a pretty good job of flustering Jason Tatum and making life very difficult for him. I think the Celtics would win that series, but I don't think it would be an easy path. So my nightmare second round opponent, assuming the Bucs are not going to be on the table, is the New York Knicks. For Saatchi Wellness, this is Eloquist Radio, spot title NVAF What's Next 60 Radio, at a DPFEQ 3006000, length 30 seconds, mixed at Harbor on March 1st, 2023. I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation, in a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem, Eliquis, the Pixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number one cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor, as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots, which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at Eliquis.com or call 1-855-ELIQUIS. Counterpoint, though, my dream opponent is a team that is actually higher than the Knicks in the second round standings. I love this matchup against Philly. 
I think the Celtics well, have so many vulnerabilities against the 76ers that I really like. I think that they know how to space out Joel Embiid and make him into a jump shooter rather than allowing him to get to his strengths. They've done a really good job attacking James Harden and Tobias Harris in transition. It strikes me that Philly does not have a lot of wing defenders capable of containing Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I would love to see the 76ers in round two. That is my dream matchup. Oh, that's kind of spicy. I like that. All righty, Dalton. It is the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Bucks are once again uh, right there in the mix. Who is the best and the worst team that you could reasonably face? And you can get creative with who you think may or may not make the Conference Finals. Yeah, speaking on that that point about the Knicks, I do think the Knicks are sneaky good. Like, I think they could legit – I think a series between them, which it looks like it's heading for a first-round 4-5 matchup between them and the Cavs could get real interesting. I, I'm i kind of pulling to see that. So, in the conference finals, it would have to – I'm trying to think of how the matchups would work here if things all lined up. At the moment, it seems, you know, just likely that it would be against Boston or Philly. I – I'd play either of them. It's kind of like that. I don't <laughs> I don't prefer one or the other. It's just who's ever there, send them. Nightmare scenario, I can't say Boston or Philly just because, you know, you avoided one of them, I suppose. And a dream scenario, if I if you play anybody but the Knicks or the – or not the Knicks, the Celtics or 76ers, that'd be kind of cool because that would mean they both got knocked out. I would take that. So, Yeah, Boston's kind of in a, a similar vein. I mean, this is – maybe getting over our skis here, but I think uh, Dr. Quinn and Alex, you're right that the Cavs have too many flaws. And then the Sixers specifically have too many flaws um, when it comes to playing the Celtics that I will push back a little bit. I think the 76ers are by far the best version of the 76ers we've seen in this current build of them, but I still think there's too many weaknesses. I I don't think that Alex is wrong about that. Yeah. I mean, like the matchup is a little wonky for Philly, but then also, Harden's playing great and Embiid's playing great and Maxi's playing great. And then what happens like that, that, that just the Tobias Harris of it all is, and I love Tobias Harris. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't reek of a team that's going to fight their way to the finals um, with respect to an MVP and a former MVP uh, perhaps in the fold. Um, so yeah, the, the round three opponent by far the nightmare is the bucks and that's not, us being polite to Dalton that's just the truth that look Giannis let's be perfectly blunt about it Giannis is a guy who speaks with an accent and plays for a small market team if he played for the Knicks and was American born we would be talking about this dude like Michael Jordan because the way that he plays basketball is like nothing we've ever seen it's like if Magic Johnson was like halfway to becoming a monster it's just unbelievable fine he can't shoot free throws I don't care uh, Giannis is, is a nightmare if you have to play him in basketball. I mean, just, I forget who they were playing the other day, but when he lowered his shoulder, I, I think it was Tory Craig on the Suns, and Craig just, like, he was, like, in a, a smoldering crater after, and Giannis was fine. It's just, uh, I think the Bucks are balanced and increasingly well-coached and deep, but look, they've got, they're going to have the best player on the floor, and it's not going to be close, and Tatum could play out of his mind, and it's still not going to be close. So I'm not saying the Celtics can't win, but holy moly, a fully loaded Bucks team is really scary, especially this version of the Bucks team. Dalton, perhaps I'm right about this and the Bucks do indeed go to the finals. Who would be the most, now this is really interesting because I don't really know what is qualifiable as a, a reasonable answer for a team you could face in the finals. Um, but who's your dream scenario of, among Western Conference contenders and who is your nightmare? Yeah, it's kind of weird with the West because I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know who's healthy, who's not, who's going to be healthy. So, again, I, I, I'm I'm a record stuck, but I'll play anybody. I'll mm-hmm. take anybody. I kind of want to – I don't want to say this because, of course, I, I'll say it in the basketball gods will punish me. But I I thought we were going to play the Warriors last year. I, it looked like it was going to be Bucks warriors and then, of course, you guys came in and – Stop that from us. So if the Warriors can make it back to the finals, I wouldn't mind seeing that. It seems like over the years, it's always kind of been destined. You know, before in 2019, when the Raptors beat us, it looked like the Bucks and Warriors were on a collision course. Last year, it looked like they were on a collision course before Middleton got hurt. I feel like this is the year it might happen. The 
Warriors are down in the standings, but I feel like once the playoffs start, they'll kick it into another gear. Not that I think the Warriors are easy by any means, because Steph Curry's, yeah. you know, probably one of the 10 best players to ever play. I just think that that would be, that'd be a great series. That'd be a really good series. And I don't think the Warriors have too many options for Giannis. Draymond is certainly a great defender. Looney's a good defender, but, you know, they don't have that guy where it's like, hey, you know, bam, go guard Giannis or Okungwu, go guard Giannis. Guys that are notorious for stopping him, I guess. So I'd like to play the Warriors. I guess if you had to had to pick a nightmare matchup, which I, again, anybody's cool, probably Phoenix just because I have like, sometimes yeah. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and just shoot up and like remember what Kevin Durant was doing in those Eastern Conference semifinals against my team where he's having like 48 point games and, you know, sometimes that image of his foot on the line will just still come into my head because it's like, it's like, man, what if, what if he was an inch away? You know, yeah. What if, what if, what if that happened? You know, it's a, it's a completely different scenario right now if that happens. So I think, yeah, I think those would be the two, but I'll play anybody again. So. Yeah. I mean, independent of the matchup, just the storylines, for the Bucks and the Suns would be so, so, so mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, I appreciate your point on the Warriors, but uh, independent of, you know, possibly rooting for the Boston Celtics, Bucks-Suns is, I think, the best finals matchup there is uh, right now. Um, Alex, for the Bucks, and then also just segue to the Celtics, um, what do you think would be a, a good, bad, or nightmarish outcome for the finals? Well, for the Bucks, uh, I think that, you know, Dalton kind of hit the hit the nail on the head. I think that there's a lot of advantages that they would have against a Warriors team that the Celtics don't, that I think um, they could play really well in that series and win it. Um, I think the Suns provide, from a matchup standpoint, definitely the most problems, though I am curious about Denver and how they would square up against the Bucs. They have some personnel that could at least make life difficult for Giannis in the form of Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown, KCP, just all of these kind of long rangy wings that can at the very least make him work. And then I would be really fascinated to see how Brooke Lopez holds up against a center like Jokic, who would not really, I think, be trying to bludgeon him with size, but would instead be playing a really interesting mental chess match against one of the best big defenders in the league. I could see that potentially swinging Denver's way, depending on how that series goes. Um, For the Celtics finals opponents, it's something I've given a little bit of thought to, not a lot, because obviously they have to get through the East first. Um, I think that, and I'm not necessarily banking on this team to make the finals, but the Celtics match up really well with the Memphis Grizzlies in a lot of respects. And if for some reason, say John Morant goes on just a monster tear over the course of the next couple months or so, and the Celtics wind up in June scoring off against the Grizzlies, I'd feel pretty confident taking Boston in that series for a variety of different reasons. Again, I I don't really think the Grizzlies are going to make the finals, so it's kind of a moot point. But if that does come to be, they're the Western Conference opponent that I would probably like to see the most. In terms of the nightmare scenario for Boston in the finals, the answer is, I think, pretty clear on this one. The Golden State Warriors yes. still give <laughs> me the fits, folks. They are a really, really dangerous basketball team. I know they've had a down season. Uh, I think their path to the finals is a lot harder this year than it was last year. But if they make it back, I don't necessarily know that the Seas would be super comfortable in that matchup just because Golden State seems like they really cracked a formula for how to beat this team specifically last year so i would say they're my nightmare opponent for sure i don't think i can really add too much to that because those are basically the teams i was looking at for both teams uh if i was going to go off the top of my head the only other plausible finals opponent and i don't really even think they're plausible but at least in the terms of the standing they're plausible uh, for a friendly opponent for either team would be the Kings just because that uh-huh. defense, man. It would be we'd be looking at like all-star uh, scores throughout the entire series, but there's just no chance that the Kings are. I would be surprised if they get out of the first round, to be frank. Yeah, I, I mean, we watched that game. I think so, too. Um, I think the Suns are the – man, there's, there's a lot of fun teams in the West. I think the Suns, when healthy, are by far the scariest team. Um, when healthy is a huge caveat with 
100 asterisks attached to it, but that's kind of how the playoffs work anyway. So uh, mostly it's the, the two healthiest teams left standing. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I think the Suns are uh, have the potential to be quite scary good. I, I think I disagree with the Warriors insofar as I think they're not as good as they were last year and the Celtics are better. But I think the Celtics are a team that get the yips and I think that they would they could uh, freak them They're out. They're the team that gives them the yips more than anyone. Yeah, the, yeah, they like to the tune of losing an entire game. I think that the Celtics could uh, get themselves <laughs> working into a fit. But that's in June and it's March right now. Um, Dalton Sell of Behind the Buck Pass. We are going to transition to talking about Jalen Brown. We're going to cut you loose before we did, but you were shining some light on how Celtics fans can kind of react to all of this news um, because you you all went through it with Giannis. Um, what do you think Celtics fans should be feeling and thinking about Jalen Brown's possible impending free agency next summer, maybe? Yeah, I realize they're not the same situation, kind of. You know, yeah, Giannis wasn't really involved in trade talks. I know Brown has been, and maybe that's kind of behind some of this. But really, the the best thing to do is not to make much of the much of the rumors. You know, guys can be frustrated, but things can change. You know, that's kind of the big thing. So don't get too wrapped up in the moment. You know, I was listening to a report saying, oh, Giannis, Giannis is going to go to Miami. He's got a home down there. Like people were legit tweeting his next place and, oh, he's looking at the Warriors and stuff. I haven't heard any of that with Jalen Brown. So I think it's fine for the moment. I wouldn't get too worked up about it, you know, unless he physically comes out and like demands a trade. I think a lot of it is a lot of it is really smoke. You know, a lot of it is the media maybe trying to drive stuff up. You know, now if if Woj or Shams, Shams comes out and says like, oh, behind Jalen Brown's frustration, there's a whole article about like him talking to guys on the court during games about wanting to go team up. Then I'd be a little worried. But as things stand right now, just don't get too wrapped up in it. You know, I remember last year they were talking about breaking Jalen and Jason up and things turned out pretty good that they didn't because they went to the NBA finals and were pretty close to winning. You know, I remember they were, I forget what the record was, but right around Christmas, they were really bad and they just flipped this whole switch. So it could, it could happen again. You know, they could go on this crazy run in the playoffs and winning cures a lot, you know, winning certainly cures a lot. I'll tell you that from a, from a buck standpoint. So the whole, any Giannis signed. Yeah. Okay. Giannis signed the super extension, super max extension before they won the championship, but him winning that just kind of completely eradicated any notion that he was going to ask for a trade or anything like that. So, yeah, that's kind of just what I have to say. Don't get too caught up in it, I'll say for now. All right, wise words. Um, Dalton Sell, hopefully um, fans go check out Behind the Buck Pass. But more importantly, hopefully we have a reason to bring you back on the podcast because that'll mean get some good basketball in the postseason. Um, But until then, thanks so, so much, and best of luck with the Giannis MVP thing. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I had a good time. I'll come back anytime. You know, if our teams match up in the conference finals, you know, give me a call. I'll be there. So I suspect they will. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping so. So thanks again, Dalton, from behind the Buck Pass for talking to us about the Bucks. And maybe it will be quite relevant. Maybe it won't. In the meantime, we're going to talk about the news. And the news is very Jalen Brown centric. We've got a few other things to talk about. Um, and it's interesting that the I thought I really liked what Dalton just said. You know, you don't worry about the media hype. But as ostensibly members of the media, we're going to go ahead and talk about it. And they're, 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 that in and of itself is kind of like hanging over this whole conversation, which is like, what are the mandates of NBA media? And not like the gotcha mandates or the shock jockeys, just why is there so much content and how does it come out? And yada, yada, yada. Um, least of which the Jalen Brown interviews that did come out that we'll, we'll take piecewise. The timing is less than ideal, I think we can say. Um, I think we're all sympathetic to Jalen's point of view and annoyed at the coverage. But I will say the timing is, it could have been better. Any event, let's let's get a little more specific. So he talked to Logan Murdoch from The Ringer um, about all sorts of things, mostly related to his relationship with Boston. Um, Alex, I'll go to you first and then Justin. What was the first takeaway, the, the thing that... Um, the first thing that you knew that this was going to be a big deal when reading the the interview. 
when I saw the quote that's kind of been going viral now about uh, Jalen's relationship with some of the fans in Boston, I think I knew that that was going to be like a, a story that Celtics world piece. is going to. Um, oh, no, you're right. Um, not that one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> God, I'm, there's a lot of Jalen articles that came out recently. Um, the, the, the other viral quote, the viral quote about um, his future and about kind of where he thinks his future in Boston is headed and how it seemed pretty non-committal. Um, I'm not going to read the quote exactly, but that basically he was suggesting that, uh, you know, it's a ways off before he commits to actually being in Boston long-term. There are some things that uh, will need to be worked out between now and then for that to happen. And that it's not a guarantee that those things are going to happen. Uh, the big thing is that he said that he wants to, be in a place where he's needed and wanted. Um, and I think that the the implication that you can read into that quote is that there are times in Boston where maybe he's questioned whether he is needed or he is wanted. Um, you know, again, I am really, really wary of reading into such quotes without context. I really think anybody who's like tweeting that quote or looking at that quote or making judgments off of that quote should read the entire article first Obviously, that changes a lot. Quotes out of context as a history teacher are the bane of my existence. Please do not attribute too much meaning to them. But I do think, you know, that's the quote that I saw. It's like, oh, this is going to raise some alarm bells. I want to push back on that just a little bit because Jalen is a very smart person. He represents himself as much as any agency does, even when he has an agent, which he hasn't always had an agent, because he's a very smart guy and he knows what he's doing. And these quotes and these topics, not just the ones that you mentioned, but also talking about like uh, Jalen, Jason working out with Kevin Durant in the middle of the big Kevin Durant thing, uh, uh, talking around his role on the Celtics without actually mentioning his role to the point where it's pretty clear he's talking about his role on the Celtics. He is telling the Celtics organization what they need to do, which is play him more in key moments, pay him properly and keep his name as well as they can, out of trade rumors. Yeah, to be clear, I don't think, I think Jalen Brown is a very intentional guy. And when things come out about him in the media, particularly interviews, that they don't come out the way they do without him having put some thought into it. I think that it's important to be thoughtful about like, what is the intention behind that and how those things are coming out and to not jump to conclusions that haven't already been like laid out in a very clear terms. Like I saw a lot of retweets around that quote saying, oh, he's gone. He wants out. Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. I think that there might be an agenda here at work, but I don't think that we can based on the articles that have come out from Jalen's perspective and these interviews and the stuff that he's spoken on, which we'll get into later, I don't think that we can go there and say he's ready to get out of here. I, I don't think that's where we're at. Yeah, and part of this, and now that we're kind of mixing all the interviews, let's just shout out our friend Sopan Deb. Um, Jalen talked to him at the New York Times two weeks ago or something like that at this point. Um, the, the thing that looms over all of this that we alluded to earlier was the all-NBA thing that if Jalen makes an all-NBA team, he can sign an extension uh, that's worth $40 million more than he would get if he does not make this all-NBA team. So, uh, yes. Also want to point out, uh, I actually wrote on front of the pod Yossi Goslin's, um, Yossi Goslin's um, recent article that used that situation as an example of how the uh, CBA could be changed to make that easier to not have to happen right because now if they extend him he's going to get basically like well below even like a non-supermax max right yeah. well Yossi was telling me that he thinks that this is actually going to happen in time so that way Jalen if he doesn't get the supermax that this could also be an avenue to be resigned so there's not just one but two potential avenues where he could extend before he even hits free agency yeah, I guess let's let's be a little more specific for people who might be a little confused. So Jalen, uh, if he makes all NBA, he is eligible for the Supermax. And so he can extend with Boston for, uh, again, the number is like $40 million more than his otherwise top deal. So Boston already will be able to offer him more years and more money than other teams. 
Um, but by making the all NBA this season, he becomes super max eligible. So that's $40 million ish, maybe 39 million or something like that. Um, and that's a big chunk of change that might, you know, smooth over a lot of problems anyone would have with their employer. Now, if he does not make the all NBA team, uh, it's almost guaranteed with an asterisk for a moment that he would become a free agent next summer, in which case Boston could offer him more years and more money than the field, but not dramatically more vis-a-vis the All-NBA thing. Justin, what you just identified is that the CBA might get changed such that Boston would actually be able to offer him something like the Supermax, even if Jalen does not make the All-NBA. Not the Supermax, just the the same version. The same version he would get in restricted free agency. He's like, if he wants that now, then they will know. Oh, I see. So that way they won't have to worry. Like then they will know they need to trade him if he says no, because if he says no then, and it's virtually or very close to the same amount of money, then you know what his plans are. Yeah. Okay. So that that's helpful. That's helpful to know. Um, which is to say that there's a lot of avenues for Boston to just offer Jalen more years and more money. And that might be more valuable than seeking a new relationship elsewhere in the league. There's also a world where uh, next summer, 29 other teams basically can pay Jalen nearly as much as the Celtics, not as much, but um, such that free agency becomes much more of an even playing field. Now we can go back to the intangibles, which has to have to do with his relationship with the city. I just want to quickly, that word wanted um, things got mixed, mixed up in all of this. Jalen's talking about the media. He's talking about the fans. He's blah, 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 blah. Look, his employer often seemed to be trying to upgrade him for a new employee. Brad Stevens and the owners said that they told him that wasn't happening. But any of us, if we heard that, not just in the last 18 months, but since we were uh, joined the organization, since he's been drafted, Jalen Brown has been the piece that Boston uses to get better. He has not been the player that Boston uses to get better, according to the zeitgeist. And maybe ownership and various coaches have come to him and said, it's not true, it's not true, it's not true. But you can only hear that noise so much before it starts to feel like, hey, maybe this team doesn't actually want me. And I think that's the biggest wanted piece. It doesn't have to do with the city. That's another factor here that does matter bigly. Um, It doesn't have to do with the media. That's another factor that matters bigly. But that's not, I don't think, what that quote is about. What that quote is about is his employer showing him, hey, we want you to continue to be an employee here. And I, again, I think I understand where he's coming from, that whether it's another clutch time play where he doesn't get the call or another off season where he is uh, being told to pack his bags because he might get traded, it doesn't feel like it feels good if you're Jalen Brown. The money is vastly different, but if we think back to the last era of title contention, why did Ray Allen leave for less money? This is something they need to address. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think another piece of this that has to be factored in is that it's not like the Boston front office over the years has had a great reputation when it comes to valuing great players um, as more than movable assets. This is not a problem that is unique to Jalen Brown. I will say that there is a difference here, which is that Jalen Brown is entering his prime right now. I mean, he is literally playing the best basketball of his career over the past couple months or so. Um, I do think also, just to push back a little bit, the clutch shots thing, I'm not sure that that's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. I think he's gotten a pretty decent diet of game-winning shots. There are some times, obviously, where they're going to look to Tatum more, where some players might break the play that was initially drawn up. But um, overall, Jalen has gotten a reasonably healthy diet of late game action. I don't think that's going to be changing anytime soon. But I do think that there's a broader reputational issue that Brad Stevens has been, I think, trying to address in some respects. But is the work is not done of making it clear that Boston uh, is a franchise that values players for more than just like what they're worth on the trade market. And, you know, it is a business, obviously, like teams take calls literally every day on players and will continue to do so. Uh, You know, I don't think that it's going to be the last time that like uh, there will ever be a, you know, public acknowledgement of like, Hey, maybe this guy might get traded. But um, I think there's steps that Boston can take to assuring Jalen Brown that that is the case that he's not going to be traded, that he is a foundational piece of the future. And I think there's some steps that they've already taken to that end. It should be important to note 
that this interview occurred in January. The piece was published now, and we can look into why it was published now. I have a feeling that all NBA decisions coming up could be a big part of that. Um, but this piece was originally, the interview was originally conducted in January. Jalen has given interviews to the press in you know press junkets and press conferences, things like that, after that interview was conducted, suggesting that Brad Stevens has gone to some lengths to try and patch up that relationship, has talked to Jalen and communicated him, with him about trade rumors around Kevin Durant, has told him explicitly that he was not going to be moved from the team. And it might be better late than never. Obviously, like Jalen was clearly feeling some type of way about this, and we need to acknowledge that. I don't, I think that's a real thing. I do I think, think that Tatum needs to do some work here because he it's possibly yeah. mentioned that that incident. And if even even if it was in January, maybe they've had this conversation, but it's not just the Celtics front office that needs to be doing this work. That's fair. For what it's worth, though, you know, Derek White has also recently, earlier today, said that um, for the most part, Jalen's demeanor around the team has been extremely positive. He's been extremely focused on just like trying to assemble, trying to play his best basketball and trying to gear up for a title run. Most of the buzz that is coming out of the locker room, it doesn't seem like this has been a major dark cloud hanging over the Celtics franchise. I think there's work that needs to be done. I think that there's money that can go a long way towards addressing this and uh, perhaps other guarantees or other kind of things that the Celtics can do to shore up that relationship. But I, you know, I think it, it's important to acknowledge like kind of what Jalen has said and when he has kind of gotten this information out uh, and then try and move forward and build on that. One last piece I just want to quickly throw out there is, so we're talking about a potential free agency for the 2024-2025 season. Obviously, things can change a lot between now and then, and I expect that they will. As it stands right now, there are two teams that will have max cap space available, the Houston Rockets and the Sacramento Kings. Maybe Jalen wants to roll out back to California and kind of reunite there with uh, some of his friends from his Cal days. I kind of have a hard time seeing him sign a max deal with the Kings. I just, I don't quite see it. The Houston Rockets, unless they make some major moves this offseason, are in all likelihood still going to be a rebuilding team. I, I kind of don't see it. Now, in the modern NBA, you can make cap space in an instant. So this could all change in the blink of an eye. And I expect there are some teams that will be looking to do that. But as it stands right now, it's not like there are a ton of teams that have a, just a huge amount of available cap space and that are also in a situation where Jalen could go there and reasonably fancy himself to be like the best player on a contending team. Yeah, the, the point about the timing about this is most salient. I mean, I, I just, we have to do our due diligence and it is fundamentally interesting. Um, but at the same time, the number of times this story plays out in every franchise, every fan base. I mean, how many times does Dame Lillard have to answer these kind of questions, right? Like, I think it's uh, pretty preposterous that uh, we have to hone in on this. I do think that there's like kind of a lull in things to talk about in the NBA right now. And so it kind of fizzled to the top. Um, but again, what Dalton offered about, hey, this is not something new or unique to the Celtics or Jalen Brown, just try to keep it moving for fans. Uh, I think that that's really good advice. So again, like we have to talk about it and be intellectually dishonest to not talk about it, given that there were two national high profile <laughs> interviews with Boston, one of Boston's two all-stars, but the extent to which uh, this is not like, much has changed. Yeah. The extent to which we are worried or excited or intrigued by this to our bones just is minimal. Uh, just a few other tidbits of news. The Celtics finished their road trip. They went four and four and two on the six game road trip. They lost the two games by a combined three points. So that's frustrating, but also a pretty good result, all things considered. Um, Al Horford once again is the peacekeeper, and he, he makes everyone happy. And goodness gracious, uh, thank the heavens for Al Horford. Um, what was your favorite game from the road trip? I know that we're trying to wrap here, but. Kings, that should be the Kings, right? They looked like every bit the team that we they were at the beginning of the season. 
Um, they look like a real finals contender in that game. Obviously, the Kings, I think, are not the best matchup for the Boston Celtics in a lot of respects, but that was a really strong confidence-building win. Yeah. Uh, you know what also creates confidence is having Robert Williams back. Put that man in bubble wrap, <laughs> please. Uh, okay, a couple other things, just newsy things that you can read about on Celtics Wire. If only because I wrote them, not Justin. <laughs> uh, Joe Mazzulla supposedly was an architect, architect for last season's defense, according to Malcolm Brogdon, which that's just what he was told when he showed up. Um, that kind of registers insofar as Mazzulla really sees the game of basketball in a way that I think a lot of people don't. Um, and it's very scheme-oriented, um, but certainly... Yeah. This time last year, we thought, oh, it had to be a Doka. It had to be a Doka. It had to be a Doka. But as it turns out, yelling at people does not make them play schematic basketball. For what it's worth, the Boston Celtics have missed. Robert Williams has played 23 games this year, and the Boston Celtics are still the fourth ranked defense on the season. So there might be something to this idea that Joe Mazzullo was responsible for that defense. Yeah. Yep. Fourth in defense rating of third in points allowed, I think. Um yeah, a few ugly losses, but again, our job as the media is to overreact to them, I suppose. Danny Ainge still roots for the Boston Celtics. How could he not? He believes in Joe Missoula. How could he not? And we bury the lead. This is the most exciting thing. Mm-hmm. They're bringing back Slam Ball, and Blake Griffin is one of the investors. Um, I would not be surprised if Blake Griffin lends his charisma and celebrity to this, because Slam Ball will need commentators, and it will need uh faces oh, yeah. and patrons and basically they raised okay i'm gonna say something as a teacher and as a sports journalist that is preposterous they raised a meager 11 million dollars um meager. so yes i know um but i also don't think that that's that i mean money is expensive right now but that's not that much money for a series a if you're you know trying to raise money from vcs in silicon valley um any event, they raise enough money that they're going to do a six-week season, one-week playoff in Vegas, and they got to sell the thing. I desperately hope that Blake Griffin and his incredibly creepy mustache uh, become the ambassadors to that pro- that product. I was thinking about the ideal commentator booth for Slam Ball uh, and kind of what the revival is going to look like. Wouldn't it be so much fun to have Blake Griffin and Amari Stoudemire as your two Slam Ball commentators? That would just be go with Gordon Hayward for the creepy mustache like pairing. Gordon well, Hayward does not have a good enough history with ducks to be true. a Slam well, Ball commentator. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> All right, on that note. This episode of the Celtics Lab podcast was brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And better help. You deserve to be happy. Thank you very much, Dolphin Celtics, behind the Buck Pass, for talking to us about the Bucks and the Celtics. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to Justin. Thanks to our listeners. Like and subscribe. I'm just drawing it out while the music plays. Divine Sweaters on tour. Check it out.